California, Massachusetts, Oklahoma. And I do want to point out those states have some restrictions on non-competes, but no state that I'm aware of, including California, has a total ban on non-competes. From Spa Dameron Tenney, it's the Prosperous Doc Podcast. Real stories, real inspiration, real growth. A show for doctors who are ready to improve their overall wellness in every aspect of life. Now here's your host, Shane Tenney. All right, welcome back to the Prosperous Doc Podcast. My name is Shane Tenney and glad to have you uh, with us for today's conversation. Uh, if you're in healthcare, dentistry, in medicine, then one of the elements of your current employment may be a non-compete clause. If you have an employment contract, there may be a section called restrictive covenants that you negotiated or were aware of when you took the job. If you're currently in training, you know this is something that you may face as you go to talk with future employers, whether it's a hospital system or a large group. And these have been... Uh, elements of an employment contract that are often sources of, at the very least, confusion, if not frustration. Well, if you're aware of this topic, then you definitely want to be paying attention because earlier this year, the Federal Trade Commission proposed a new rule that would effectively ban employers from using non-compete clauses for anyone who works for them. Um, according to the news release from the FTC, kind of the rationale behind their proposed rule is that the practice of non-competes suppresses wages, hampers innovation, blocks entrepreneurs from starting new businesses. And so the thinking is that if the rules goes into effect, then wages might increase, career opportunities might expand. Well, good news, we have an expert with us today. Uh, my guest today is Anu Murthy, a healthcare attorney and a practice consultant uh, based out of Maryland, who is a deep friend of the Prosperous Doc podcast, has been on the show before, including episode 34, where we talked about making the most of your healthcare contract. She's also authored a number of blogs for us and focuses exclusively on physician, dentist, healthcare practitioner, employment contracts. Um, I'm grateful to have her here today to help unpack this uh, non compete proposed rule from the FTC. Anu, thanks for being with me today. Oh, you're so welcome, Shane. I'm excited to be here. You know, as a healthcare attorney, non-compete clauses and restrictive covenants are, you know, next to compensation, one of the biggest issues in those contracts and the reviews that I do. So this is a really huge thing for healthcare attorneys um, such as myself and for people such as you who advise those uh, physicians and dentists as well, because I'm sure that you've had to deal with non-competes in terms of your own uh, clientele about whether they should be accepting a job or moving or, or whatever. So this is big stuff for us. So I'm going to just dive right in and talk about what the proposed rule is. But before I do that, I just want to talk a little bit about how this came in, into being. So back in 2020, when uh, President Biden was was running for um, for election, he one of the things on his platform was this um, what he saw as the restrictions on worker mobility in the United States and how that could be hampering the economy, et cetera. So he actually back in July 2021 issued an executive order, and that was called promoting competition in the American economy. 
And what he did with that order was direct the Federal Trade Commission to exercise its statutory rulemaking authority under the FTC Act to curtail the unfair use of non-compete clauses and other clauses or agreements that may unfairly limit worker mobility. And I want to stress at the outset that, that you and I are going to be really only talking about the impact that this proposed rule would have for healthcare providers. So just kind of want to limit it, um, you know, to, to that. So the proposed rule, and in its current form, would require employers to, number one, rescind all existing non-competes no later than the rule's compliance date, which is not yet determined. And number two, provide notice to current and former workers slash employees that the workers' non-compete clauses are no longer in effect. The proposed rule provides model language that employers can use to satisfy this notice obligation. But just at the outset, I mean, think about that. It's such a broad proposed ban on non-competes, which also could effectively impact non-disclosure agreements, non-solicitation agreements, and we see those in healthcare contracts as well. So um, it is pretty broad. I know one of the questions that you and I had talked about was, how did non-competes come into being? And I did a little research, and there was actually a case back in 1440 in England, I believe, where an apprentice had promised to refrain from his trade for a period of six months in the town that he'd been trained in. That sounds familiar, right? I mean, that's what physicians promise to do, is that they promise not to work for a competitor for a period of time in a geographic you know, radius. And that's essentially what non-competes, how they, they came into being. Let me just um, track with you for a minute. Based on what you're describing there, the, the proposed rule includes model language for employers to rescind existing non-competes or restrictive covenants. So am I understanding you correctly that the rule, again, which is just proposed at this point, but if enacted as it's written now, would effectively be retroactive and nullify all of the existing restrictive covenants that exist, not just those signed after the date that the rule becomes effective? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you can see, you know, the fear that many employers especially have about this because it's going to require redrafting, rescission of clauses, redrafting of, of contracts. And so, yeah, it's it's a really big thing. And just to kind of define what a non-compete clause is, it's, yeah. it's a contractual term. And that's between an employer and a worker that blocks the worker from working for typically a competing employer or even starting a competing business. And that's typically, like I said, there's a, within a certain geographic area and a certain period of time after the, the worker's employment has ended. So one caveat here, though, we talk about employment and worker and employee, but the FTC is including independent contractors and you know other types of relationships within this. So it's not just what we think about in terms of, for example, a large practice or a hospital system employing a W-2. It could also be extended, uh, according to, to the proposed rule, to 1099 as well. So that's really interesting. 
Yeah, for sure. And this would, from your understanding, this applies to your broadening kind of the the perception or the definition that's being used of worker. What's kind of the working framework for what an employer is? Um, an employer, they define it as um, any individual legal entity, LLC, corporation that contracts with workers, as, as we defined a little bit more broadly, right? However, more recent research, I found something that refers to excluding perhaps nonprofit employers. And I think that actually is, is something that could potentially be a loophole for those nonprofit hospital systems that employ, you know, tens of thousands of, of physicians. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how that impacts the proposed rule and, you know, final rule in terms of healthcare. It's really interesting. Now, I know that one of the, I guess, in kind of defense of the employer, one of the reasons why non-competes are used is to protect an employer from, uh, in the cases of perhaps a smaller employer, protect themselves from competition, or in the case of perhaps a larger employer, protect themselves from intellectual property, theft, or things like that. Are there any exceptions to the proposed rule or kind of accommodations for those sorts of circumstances? Some of the exceptions that the FTC has spelled out are, um, you know, perhaps like a, a non-disclosure agreement might not fall into this ban. But however, they also uh, point out that they, you know, to, to be looking at non-disclosure agreements that are overly broad, that are overly restrictive, that are in fact, become a de facto non-compete agreement. So even if the title of the clause is non-disclosure, if it's drafted in such a way that it imposes unnecessary or overly broad restrictions on employment, those types of clauses also could fall under this. So they have this de facto language for all types of restrictive clauses. Gotcha. Yeah, this uh, definitely has has a lot of uh, bearing on employers of all shapes and sizes and employees under employment agreements as well. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to help unpack a little bit of just kind of what the rulemaking process is and uh, and explain kind of what uh, where things currently stand. So we'll be back right after this quick break. If you've been in practice for a few years, I'd like to ask you a question. Have you found that your income is near its peak potential? and yet you are still not sure where the money is going or what to do with the surplus? Do you have cash piling up in your checking account because you don't have the time to figure out where else to direct it? Are finances a source of confusion or even conflict in your marriage? Take control of your finances by downloading the free budgeting guide for mid-career docs. The Prosperous Doc Podcast is underwritten by the financial planning firm of Spa Dameron Tenney. And you can download this free budgeting guide for mid-career docs at sdtplanning.com and click on financial resources. Don't let another month of money confusion go by when you have access to free help. Again, the website is sdtplanning.com Click on financial resources to download the free budgeting guide for mid-career docs. And we're back uh, talking with 
a healthcare attorney and practice consultant at New Murthy about the Federal Trade Commission's proposed rule, basically eliminating non-compete covenants from employment contracts. So just to be clear, and I want to make sure that anyone listening to the conversation here understands this is not something that's in effect right now. It is not true that there is no such thing as a non-compete anymore. Can you talk a little bit about, about what the rulemaking process is and the comment period and, and those sorts of things? Sure, absolutely. So you're right. Let's continue to emphasize that non-competes, there's not been a wholesale national ban on non-competes. So if you have a non-compete in your current employment agreement or current offer, it is still valid if it is valid under your state law. And we can talk about that a little bit further in this podcast, but they're still still in effect. So right now we're in what's called a comment period. And that essentially invites and allows any interested parties. And that could be an individual, that could be uh, trade organizations, that could be large employers to submit comments directly to the FTC. And they're, um, interestingly, they're a matter of public record. When I went on earlier this morning, there were close to 7,000 comments. And I did a quick search to see, you know, how many were related to healthcare, because of course, other industries, tech, for example, um, is also very interested in the outcome of, of this rule. But I looked at the healthcare comments, and there's, you know, hundreds, thousands of individual physicians and nurses and other providers that are submitting comments. And some of them are pages long. Some of them are a couple sentences. But overwhelmingly, I'm seeing, at least from the provider side, that they are for the this ban on non-compete. Having said that, I also took the opportunity to read the more nuanced and detailed comments that were submitted by other interested parties. I read the comments that were submitted by the American Hospital Association. Not surprisingly, they are against um, this ban on non-competes, and they had some good reasons about, um, as you pointed out earlier, I mean, you know, one of the reasons that non-competes sometimes come into play is because of certain confidential information or other intellectual property that an employer may be sharing with an employer that they want to protect. It's also, you know, from a competition sense, you can understand from an employer perspective, they're investing money and resources into an employer and it can be challenging and damaging to them if someone leaves and was able to open a competing uh, practice, um, you know, across the street, for example. So, so they have, you know, definitely have some compelling reasons as to why they would not want a total ban on non-competes. So the other organization that I looked at was more provider focused, and that was the American Medical Association, as we know, represents um, physicians from all specialties all over the country. And they had a slightly more nuanced view. They didn't come out and say, oh, we're totally against all non-competes. They questioned the authority that the FTC has to bring this rule forward and make it an official rule. They felt that perhaps Congress would be the better venue to provide this type of almost national legislation. And the other thing that the AMA suggested um, was that, look, for the past couple decades, 
individual states have been looking at non-compete within their own jurisdictions and have been promulgating rules and uh, regulations and laws that maybe limit the use of non-competes. And a couple of states come to mind, California, Massachusetts, Oklahoma. And I do want to point out those states have some restrictions on non-competes, but no state that I'm aware of, including California, has a total ban on non-compete. There are exceptions to, you know, that type of situation. So even in California, you can be subject to a non-compete under certain circumstances. Anu, what's the uh, what's your feel on both the timing and, and probability of this rule coming to fruition or some version of it coming out? Well, you know, I'm a strong believer in that lawyers should never be prognosticators. <laughs> um, but I do, I do believe that given the executive order, given the fact that the FTC Federal Trade Commission has never come out on such a limb like this in such a broad way in its 10910 years of existence, and given the bipartisan support. There have been some legislative that have been introduced into Congress by partisan members of Congress. Given all those three, I don't think the FTC is going to wholesale back off from this. I think this is going to become a rule in some fashion. And unless the comments are so overwhelmingly against the rule in its present form, I think we're going to see some major changes in non-competes in our country. And perhaps by the end of 2023? Um, yes, I think that's the time frame is the end of 2023. We'll, we might see the final rule and then which would be effective in 2024. Okay. All right. And be effective in 2024. But I guess to the, the point you made 20 minutes ago that the rule itself includes effectively retroactive language. So it might take effect then, but still yeah. to people under pauses today. So, you know, I'm a big believer that it's not just about what you know in life, it's about what you do. So somebody listening to this, we're talking about a proposed rule. What should anybody do today? So let me just break it down into two kind of personas. If, if somebody is in the process of negotiating an employment contract or anticipating that they're coming out of training or they're moving to a new area or something like that, does the proposed rule have any bearing on, on what approach they should be taking to uh, the contract negotiation process? That's a great question. So right now, I am telling my clients that disregard the proposed rule for the time being. It is not going to give you any clout or any power in negotiating at the moment. After, I mean, if, if the proposed rule becomes final, then the onus is going to be on the employer to uh, essentially rescind and review those restrictions. And so the an employee will not have to do anything. However, I would recommend that they they do seek legal counsel just to make sure that the employer is is following the rule to the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing a lot, and you probably are too, is that we're seeing mid-career, later career physicians, dentists that are selling to private equity, which also carry non-compete provisions. And so that's going to be a really interesting area. I suspect there'll be quite a bit of litigation 
that's going to be involved in that area. But regardless, many groups have already come out to say that they're going to be challenging if it is uh, if it becomes final in this broad uh, form that it's in. So we're going to see lots of litigation. I think employers should right now, at the very least, be making sure that their non-compete, non-disclosure, non-solicitation, all those nons, all those restrictive covenants fall within their state requirements. So if they need to make some changes at this point, they should probably go ahead and, and do that. But again, having said what I said earlier, I do think that there's going to be some form of this rule that's going to become final. And I don't think it's going to be terribly diluted in its final form. I think it's going to remain pretty broad. And to your point, at the end of the day, uh, these things often uh, kick up a flurry of challenges and lawsuits and things that extend a couple of years while, while it gets uh, adjudicated through the courts. Yeah, it, it'll take years to, to go through the, the court system. but And I don't know enough about the process in terms of whether if, for example, if there is a Supreme Court challenge and if the rule is deemed to be unconstitutional, you know, what happens at that point? This is this is pretty uncharted territory for most of us. It's, it's just never been done before, this type of broad rule that is a, you know, that is um, so far reaching in terms of the economy. They, you know, the numbers that I see is 30 million Americans have some form of a non-compete agreement in their employment situations. And it's a big deal. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing it to our attention. Uh, if somebody's listening and has questions or want to talk about the topic a little bit, uh, can they reach out to you? Absolutely. I think my contact information will be included. So absolutely. Happy Perfect. We'll, we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Uh, if you're listening, you want to talk with Anu about it, um, then you can uh, just reach out to her using the information in the show notes. Anu, thanks so much for your expertise and always being such a great collaborator uh, with us uh, on behalf of uh, all the, the healthcare workers that we serve. Oh, you're so welcome. I always enjoy talking with you, Shane. Thank you. Very good. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast. Um, hope it's been a helpful one for you. And as always, I would really appreciate if you can spare five seconds to give us a review or even a comment on iTunes or Google Play. Um, they really help us in the ratings and the search results and things like that. And as always, if you would like to be a guest on the show or you know somebody uh, that is in medicine, in dentistry, or serving uh, that constituency that would be uh, a great guest or have a story to tell, um, would you please just email me? It's uh, shane at whitecoatwell.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you back here next time. This episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast is over, but you're not alone on your journey. Spa Dameron Tenney has been helping physicians and dentists prosper through financial planning for over 60 years. To connect with us, visit sdtplanning.com today and take your financial wellness to new levels. Join us on the next episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast.